Welcome to the Millennial Reset Podcast, stories of everyday millennials that are redefining success and happiness. Those that have decided to face those subconscious limiting beliefs head on and take the path less traveled to hit reset. Stories that inspire you to take the leap to pursue the passions, dreams, and goals of your inner child and not the expectations of society. If you're new here, welcome. You found your people. I'm your host, Peter Goose, burnt out millennial turned human design and mindset coach. And it's now my mission to create a space to have the conversations out loud around millennial burnout and mindset and inspire and empower my fellow millennial besties to decondition from the programs that keep so many of us stuck and rediscover your most authentic identity. Or in other words, the millennial reset. And I'm so glad you're here. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Millennial Reset Podcast. I am super excited for our guest today, Stephanie Davis. Stephanie decided that she was going to ditch hustle culture and decide to shift from money to happiness. Uh, Stephanie got out there and she decided to start her own children's theater and art nonprofit in Missouri. And she has an amazing story of her millennial reset. So Stephanie, thank you so much for being part of the millennial reset podcast and welcome. Hi. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. That's awesome. Of course. So Stephanie, let's dig right into it. When you think about the millennial reset, it's all about redefining success and happiness for yourself. So when you think about your identity today, what makes Stephanie Stephanie? If you were to sum it up in, let's say, 30 seconds, what creates your identity today? Um, I'm an artistic director for a children's theater. Um, I am an avid hiker. I like to travel to national parks and like camp and be outdoorsy. Um, I'm a mom of two little girls that, um, make my world go around and I'm a pretty good friend to most of my like best friends in this area. I love that. Um, Stephanie and our new besties. I'm obsessed with her story now. So you guys are going to love this. So Stephanie, before we dive into kind of what you're doing right now with the theater nonprofit, maybe take us back and like, let's rewind a couple of years ago and talk to us a little bit about like, what were you doing before all of this new adventure, this newly created identity for you that were you, you know, kind of hit that brick wall of burnout? Um, well, I started off as a waitress. I was a graveyard waitress at IHOP for years. And then from that, I ended up working kind of back and forth from restaurants to corporate jobs, like where I was doing sales here and there. Um, and my career grew and I ended up being like a restaurant manager and a sales manager. And I moved up to all these other positions, but, um, I just wasn't ever really happy. I just kept bouncing from position to position that offered a better paycheck, but none of them ended up making me happy. Yeah. I hear you there. I think that's one of those things, especially for not just millennials, but everybody, right? Is this whole dream of like chasing this thing that's in the future for you constantly. And then it's like, okay, great. I've got that. But now what's next? And then you chase the next thing and the next thing. And then it's like one day you finally realize like, wait a second, what I really want is just happiness. <laughs> not like I wanted the thing. I wanted to wake up and feel happy to go to work. But like every day that alarm would ring and I would just push snooze a hundred times yeah. and I would like dread going to work. Like I would think of excuses to not go to work all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think you kind of already touched on this too, but like, what was it about like that past version of you that kind of kept you stuck in that mode? 
Um, I liked the money. Yeah. It was like I was making better money. I needed to pay my bills. I lived in Dallas and it's not cheap to live in Dallas. Um, I had two kids mm-hmm. and I like wanted insurance and all the perks that I thought came with working a corporate job. Um, yeah, I just I thought it was like the right thing to do. Like yeah. I thought that was like me being a good mom was like trying to make as much money for my kids to have and like have this career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a mom by any means, but I'm sure a lot of other mothers can probably resonate with that of like this innate desire and need to be able to provide that sense of security. And oftentimes, you know, how often does that kind of take precedence over our own passions and our, their own dreams where the reality of it is by possibly pursuing those things we could even provide an even greater sense of security and uh, safety for our kids. So right. I think that your story is a very good example of that. Um, all right. So you flip back between, you know, corporate sales and the corporate world and restaurants. And uh, there came a moment in time for you where you realized, you know what, something's got to change here. Um, and this is, I think, where you guys are really going to love Stephanie's story about some of the changes that she made, some of the bold ass moves that she made in order to really step into an identity that was more true and authentic for yourself. But Stephanie, talk to us a little bit about like, what was it for you? What was the light bulb moment where you're like, all right, something's got to change here? Well, okay. So I was working for, I was working in sales and I had worked for this company before and I ended up going back to them and, um, my kids just kept getting sick. Like they just kept getting sick cause they're kids. <laughs> and I, uh, kept getting written up cause I had to miss work cause my kids were sick. And then it turned out to be this thing where it's like, do I send my sick child with an aunt and I can't take care of them? Or do I stay at home with them and just get, keep getting written up? There was at one point in time, I was a single mom um, of my first child and they went and pulled my record up and told me that my baby was sick in the past and try to use that against me to be like, well, your kid oh was sick gosh. here then too, when you used to work for us. And I was like, yeah, kids get sick. Like we all get sick. Like it's, I think the pre pandemic, I think that like, we really punish people for being sick more than we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was it. I finally said, you know, like I this isn't worth it. I need to, I don't, I shouldn't have to like choose between being a good mom, like being able to take care of my sick kid or like make a paycheck. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. It's just, so that was a pretty big breaking point for me. I can imagine. So, and it's like, yeah. Why? Like, how, how is that still a thing these days? It's what I wonder every day with like corporate world. It's like how during COVID, especially our people putting the workforce and the a number of hours that you're productive above and beyond somebody's mental health and their family's well-being. Or goodness. they give you PTO or they give you sick time, but then when you actually use it, like yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't using any time that I wasn't actually earned. That mm-hmm. was even more frustrating. It was like, I had all these PTO hours and I had all these sick hours and I was using them because my kids were sick. And yeah. because like when I burnt out of that, because they were sick longer than a day, then I was getting punished for it. And I was like, you guys gave me the time and this is how I'm having to use it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And then you talked to Stephanie about um, before moving into kind of the nonprofit world and what you're doing now with the children's uh, theater and art studio of, um, so Stephanie now lives in Missouri, but you used to live in Texas and talk a little bit about what you were doing there with the cafe that really sparked your passion for this world of nonprofit. 
Okay. So I, um, about the time that I stopped working in corporate America, um, I, an opportunity arose where a there was a gay bar that had closed in the town that we had lived in. And it was like the only gay bar in town. And so one of my friends said, Hey, I have money. Um, and I have some resources, but I need someone who has like restaurant and bar experience. And I had restaurant and bar experience. And so I said, okay, let's do this. And then as we started talking about what we wanted to do, we decided to not really make it a bar as much as like an LGBT safe space, like a cafe. Yeah. And so, um, when we did that, um, we ended up making a Kickstarter and the Kickstarter was successful to the point that we ended up making like 150% of our goal. Um, and we ended up finding people to back us like internationally, ladies found wow. our story and they just thought it was great. Um, and then there were some other people in like Seattle and like people all over were reaching out to support us. Um, and yeah, we ended up having this cafe that like all ages could go to. And we had like drag story time and we had places for gay parents to take their kids to go eat. Like, yeah. and they saw other faces that looked similar to them, mm-hmm. you know? So it was a pretty good experience, um, there. Unfortunately, I didn't run that as a nonprofit mm-hmm. because we figured it'd be for profit in hindsight, I could have ran it as a nonprofit and had more probably like probably more backing towards Mm. it. And um, the area that we were at just happened to be more expensive than, um, than we could like, then it was, it wasn't sustainable for our business. So we ended up having to close it. Mm. So you did the cafe. And what's interesting about your story, Stephanie, is you almost kind of have like this multiple reset moment where you were doing, you went from kind of corporate culture to the restaurant business. And then you also talked about, again, kind of how that restaurant business then ignited your passion for the nonprofit world, which kind of led to the next part of your journey, where you made the big move uh, from Texas to Missouri, and really kind of almost had like this second reset for yourself. Talk just a little bit about what that journey was like for you. So when the restaurant closed, I personalized it in a very big way. I thought I had failed and I just needed to change the scenery. And I, I picked up and I moved so that I didn't have to like be reminded every day of where I had failed. I was, I like personalized every bit of it, which like hindsight, it's just, I didn't have business experience and it's just, I, we should have started with more money. Like there's a lot of reasons what, what went wrong there. And it wasn't all my fault, but like, I took it as my own personal failure. So Mm. I tried, that was what I ended up trying to go back into a corporate job. And I ended up getting in trouble about my kid getting sick again. And then COVID happened and, um, oh yeah, we picked up, we moved to the Midwest and then COVID happened. And then, um, I ended up getting unemployment money because I don't know, because of the pandemic and we Mm -hmm. all got like a lot of people got unemployment money and I ended up getting unemployment money and I never felt really comfortable about keeping this unemployment money. Cause it didn't feel like mine. Like mm-hmm. I was okay. I didn't really need it. I used like the bare minimum that I needed, but I kept putting it aside. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I don't, I didn't feel like mine. So yeah. I ended up, um, putting it aside and putting it aside. And in the midst of that, um, I had been married and, and during 20, like during COVID when we spent all this time together, I realized that my husband at the time was more like my best friend and that I ended up coming out 
as gay. Mm. And he and I were super cool and he was super supportive. My family was not really happy about that idea. So I took a little break and I moved. Um, I was living in Kansas city and I moved from Kansas city, Kansas to like uh, Columbia, Missouri, which is like middle of Missouri. And um, I ended up doing social media work to try to pay the bills um, and still have time to spend time with my kids because like now I was a single mom and I needed to like, do this alone. And I didn't have all this like family help. So I needed to still find some kind of job that paid me something Yeah, and where I could still be around for my kids to pick them up from school and like make them dinner. Like I didn't have the extra help. And so I started doing social media work and that Kickstarter that I had made in the past helped me get social media clients. Well, one of the social media clients I ended up taking on was in a smaller town and um, in this smaller town in Missouri, I realized it's called Moberly. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up realizing that like, it was like a town that had just kind of been like financially devastated. And because of that, there was actually a lot of opportunity for a small business to like for small businesses to open. And so I kind of took a look at maybe opening a second cafe and I was looking at buildings and attached to this cafe space that I really liked that was pretty cheap. Um, I saw what looked, what I could see in the future being a black box theater. And I went to school for theater. I Mm. never, I was always told that like, I was never going to be able to use my theater degree for anything. Like it wasn't, it's just like, there wasn't a career in theater for me probably. And so looking at this space, I was like, oh, it'd be really cool if I opened up this black box theater and maybe this little cafe on the side can like help pay for the theater. Cause I wasn't sure how that was going to work out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I took that money that I had saved in unemployment and I just threw it back in the community and opened up this little community theater. Um, the restaurant side of it never ended up getting open. We ended up doing pretty decent as a little theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't, uh-huh. I don't know. Where to go from there. <laughs> I, the thing that I just absolutely love about your story, Stephanie, is it's like, it's the epitome of when you simply just have an intention for yourself to pursue a passion, to be able to have some sort of impact on others. It's like so often we get into this place of like you were talking about before, where we're so focused on chasing the money or chasing the new job or the new opportunity. Um, and then when you simply just sit back and allow your intentions to just be released and just wait to see what happens and the magic things that can sometimes just surprise you to be like, oh, well, I didn't expect that coming, but here we go. Let's go this different route over here. And it's like, I think your story is just like such a great example of just, you go for your passions, you do what feels right. And the rest just naturally happens somehow, right? It's just how the universe works. So, right. Um, so, talk to us a little bit about. Okay, so you made this big shift. You're now kind of in the nonprofit world, and when you're going through that shift of really stepping into this new identity, um, you you divorced from your husband. You came out. You decided, okay, I'm going to start living this kind of new version of me, right? Yeah. What was, let's say, I don't know, the top like one or two limiting beliefs that were part of your mindset that you had to break through in order for you to kind of like step into this new version of you? Uh, like, you know, the fear of failure. That was oh, like yeah. a big thing. Um, I went to therapy and my therapist taught me that like the way that 
my fears of failure and the way I viewed success, um, that there's multiple ways to view success. Mm-hmm. And so like, it doesn't have to be financial. It can definitely be yes. like I'm making a difference in this world. And that helped a lot changing my, what I viewed as successful. Yeah. Um, the fact that it might not be that we have a lot of money, but it is like, because I'm self-employed, the fact that I can pay all of the bills mm-hmm. and the fact that I still get to see my kids all the time and that I no longer have to worry about like taking sick days with them. Like that's pretty successful. So yeah. yeah. The fact that there's like always food on our table and like my kids don't want for anything and that mm-hmm. I don't have to like get a major corporate job for that. Like we might not own the biggest house on the block, but like our house is filled with happiness and that's successful. So yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's just, it's a natural human thing, right? Is that we so often get stuck into this place of uh, predicting our future by thinking about the worst case scenario. And then of course, all of those fears come up, right? The fear of failure, the, the fear of change of making any sort of change in our lives. And we get so stuck in this rut of just like, continuing to tell ourselves the story of the worst case scenario. And of course it helps us out because it protects us from any dangers or threats and keeps us safe. But it's like, when you just simply make that shift, when you realize, okay, wait a second, I can't predict the future. So if I can't predict the future and there's an equal opportunity here for either failure or success, what if instead I just shift that narrative to, Hey, instead of asking myself, what if I fail? What if this is the thing that like sets me on the path to happiness and success in my life, right? Well, and there was like a thing too that my therapist had mentioned to me, and I didn't even mention this to you earlier. So hopefully yeah. it's not like a wild card. But like <laughs> I uh no, like when I was talking to her, I was like, I was really nervous about in all this process, like telling my parents that I was self-employed. Like I was yeah. just really like scared of like my parents' view of like they're going to hear I'm self-employed and I'm going to hear all of this guilt about like, I should be doing this because mm-hmm. I, I changed, like I've changed these kids' lives so much. And so my therapist told me like, why do I let my parents have so much authority over my life? I'm an adult. Ooh, yeah. And the second I like really stomached that one. And I was like, yeah, like, why do I let them have so much authority in my life? Like I am doing all the things I need to do. Mm-hmm. Like the, the life that I have for my kids is the life that I wanted for my kids. Yeah. And like, like my, my kids will tell you they're happy kids. Like they, uh. you know, like we don't, and we all struggle. I mean, like I have two daughters. So like, do we go head to head? Like, totally. Yeah. but at the same time, like at the end of the day, like my kids come and crawl in bed and snuggle with me every night. So right. yeah, it's like we have a house of love. So like, yeah, my parents have this very old school view of like, what you're supposed to do as a parent and it trickled Mm -hmm. down to me and I was really just nervous. That was probably a bigger limiting view than even my own of like here, like disappointing them, you know? Mm, Yeah. And so like, just like not being this per this daughter that I thought I was supposed to be. Yeah. And um, yeah. And like now my parents are proud. Like for the first time, like my mom started being really supportive of the theater, which was funny when I did theater growing up, that was the, that was the thing I always was told, like theater's never going to make you money. You need to focus on something yeah. else. And now I'm like, I'm running a theater. Like I have corporate sponsors. Like I it made, freaking you know, love that. Yeah. 
I was talking the other day about this a little bit about like, you know, when we grew up in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s, even as millennials, and it's like, our parents were teaching us what they knew, what they thought right. success would be for us. So like they were doing the best with the resources that they had, but it's right. like little did they know how much of the world was going to change after yeah. the new millennium. Like, and it's like okay, how many of college, us in yeah. college, like I got a smartphone, like and yeah. that <laughs> happened when I was in college. And like, when you look at how the world has changed since smartphones, like right? we all have endless amount of, uh, like knowledge at our fingertips at any point in time, like anything yeah. you want to do is accessible to you at any point in time. Uh-huh. But like that was not a thing when our parents were younger, like exactly. all of the industries that are available, like I'm a social media marketer and my day for like my daytime stuff to make, you know, to help offset this thing. Social media marketing was not a thing right, when I yeah. was in college, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, but yeah, it's like I I just feel like so many uh, our parents, especially, and even us as millennials, are still running on those like same beliefs and programs that our parents taught us, and we don't want to disappoint them, and so we kind of like stick to those same belief patterns that you know nowadays it's like the world has done a one eighty, everything is totally different, yet we're still operating on these like old antiquated belief systems that are no longer serving us. And again, that's why I love your story. I think it's like a perfect example of how you just like, when you hit pause and you become more aware of what are the programs that are running your life and are they still serving you and empowering you or are they sabotaging your potential? Once you just simply become aware of that, that's like the moment of change, right? Where you begin to say, oh, okay, I can actually pick a different path here, uh, the path less traveled and do something that might not be quite in line with what my parents told me, but according to the reality that we live in now, maybe there is a different option out there for me, you know? And I think, yeah. And it's like scary. It's like, it's like, it's not like the happy go lucky sunshine path. It's the, it's the path that looks a little creepy when you're walking. Yeah. The path where you you have to leave behind your old self in order to step into this new self and that in between space, Ooh, is that uncomfortable, but damn, is it worth it? Yeah, it is like the in between space. It's Yeah. That that's rough. I think yeah. that like anyone that starts businesses needs to know that like there's going to be a good chunk of time where yeah. you're like everything I did was just wrong. I should not have done this. Like you're yeah. going to almost every day, multiple times a day. But then like every so often you'll feel like you'll find the little gems that will be rewarding, and mm-hmm. you just have to like live in those moments and remember that it's just going to get bigger from there. Yeah. So love that. Um, so let's, let's talk about like now, right? Like the Stephanie today, your identity today versus the Stephanie from, you know, five, six years ago or whatever. Like what's the biggest change in your identity now? Like how, how is, how has this experience really created this new identity for you? So I was never a morning person my whole life. (laughs) I was never a morning person my whole life. I worked graveyard shift. Like I stayed up all night. I like did not like mornings. And I can say that like, I am not as pleasant in the mornings as I am mm-hmm. in the afternoon, but, um, I wake up without an alarm clock every day, significantly earlier than I'm supposed to wake up because I'm just like ready to get up and work. Cause I yeah. work for myself and, mm-hmm. um, I have stuff to do and it's important. I make my own like lists. I make my own, you know, like my days, like I'm, when I wake up, I'm not finding excuses to not go to work. I'm like excited for my day to start. I wake up. Like, I, w- I don't want to be like, I wake up working, but like I wake up and I start doing little tasks that will get me, that will set me up for success all day, which is like the old Stephanie. She yeah. was really 
trying to figure out how to come up with a sick excuse for myself. Like pre-kids, I was like the queen of not wanting to be there because Mm -hmm. I just was there for the paycheck. And I, you know, I, um, I just like genuinely enjoy what I do. Yeah. Passion over paycheck. Right. Right. And it's, I'm just happy. And like, and because of that, um, I'm doing better than like I've ever done in any of my other jobs. So yeah. Everything just kind of falls into place. It falls into place. It's amazing the moments that it does. And you just can look at everything and you're like, whoa, this is, this actually worked out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Stephanie, I'm obviously going to share your website to the, um, arts and theater studio. It's, um, for everybody, I'll post it with the podcast episodes. Y'all can easily access it, but it's the, the studio Morberly, Moberly, M O B E R L Y. That's the town in Missouri, the studio Moberly.com. And Stephanie, I want you to talk a little bit about what you're doing in the community right now, because this is so fucking inspiring to me. Um, okay. So what I do is I run a, we do art and we do science and we do theater. I would say that my theater stuff is what I'm stronger at, but we do yeah. a lot of art classes because the kids really love art. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we do some science too, cause I've learned to get boys into art and theater. If I do like science stuff where we can make like giant messes, yeah. they show up. And I like doing it. Like who doesn't want to like make like big messes of stuff all the time. So like, it's super fun. Um, I Moberly is, like I said, a town that just definitely needs some economic redevelopment. Um, And there's a lot of, it it would be deemed kid wise as an at-risk area for kids. And so we have a lot of there's a lot of drugs there. There's not a lot of after-school programs. There's like a one YMCA program and a couple sports that kids can join, but mm-hmm. there was no other programs for kids. So I offer a, um, a theater program and an art program and a science program and pretty much like anything that the kids can throw at me, we'll do that program at the, for them. And yeah. we do it. Um, it's sliding scale for a low income. So like if you're a single mom, like, you know, me, and mm-hmm. if you are needing, um, some assistance. Cause like, you're like, if a kid tells me like, I really want to do this program, but my mom can't afford it. Then like, I will find a way for them to do the program, whether it's on scholarship or if we just charge, if the class is $50 and we charge 10, you yeah. know, whatever will work in the family's budget. I really try to make sure that we make that happen. Um, we also do free classes for kids in foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say about 30% of my students are in foster care. Um, and that has probably been the most rewarding part of it is really just getting to like know these kids that really need help. And it gives them an outlet to just like let go of everything that's been happening day in and day out. Some of the stuff that they've experienced in their past and just like get to be somebody, whoever they want to be on stage. Yeah. Like you don't have to live the life you're living. Cause you get to go be on stage and be whoever you want to be. Oh, so, so inspiring. Yeah. So like we, I do a lot of stuff there. Um, I hang out with the kids a lot. Like I would say in between during the summertime, when we run all of our camps, we sometimes make Sonic runs and go get some Sonic or we eat a lot of pizza. I eat a lot of pizza during the summer. (laughs) (laughs) More, more pizza than I like it. I'm never wanting pizza because I'm always eating it with kids. But yeah, we, uh, we have just a really good time. And so like, for example, today on Tuesdays, I teach an art class to toddlers. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have a lot of kids coming in and out and, 
Um, I also have some of my kids in the area that are homeschooled that come and help me out to teach kids to toddlers. So that's super fun too. Um, So yeah, we're just like having fun, making messes, Mm -hmm. enjoying life. And again, you're like that perfect example too, where it's like just by you stepping into your most authentic identity and pursuing the passions that, you know, empower and make an impact on your community, the good things are just naturally coming your way. Now, I know Stephanie, just talking from you or talking with you so far, you're not the type that's ever going to brag about yourself, but I'm going to brag for you. (laughs) And I want you to tell the audience about what happened at your two year mark with Walmart. Yeah, yeah. So we got um, some uh, sponsorship money from Walmart, which was crazy because like, listen, I, I was never I always I was never like a giant Walmart person. But now <laughs> yeah. I totally am because they like sat here and sponsored our community. And they're great sponsors of the community. Um, Walmart Veterans United gave us a pretty hefty check. Some of yeah. the other corporations like Orschlands and some other businesses have been um, talking to us about stuff. There's like um, some restaurants have done fundraisers. Wendy's is going to do a fundraiser for us. I forgot to say that one. Like that was, I know like you don't think of Wendy's, but like, yeah, like Wendy's, uh, Dave Thomas was in in foster care. So he, um, if you're doing things that help the foster community, he definitely will try like that company. He's not around anymore, but that company definitely tries to follow that model of helping the community too. So yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. Um, it's been, yeah, it definitely, we hit the two-year mark and then that was helpful. And then my social media business grew too, mm-hmm. which actually helped pay, you know, help me get to a financial spot where I'm like, I'm financially comfortable too, because yeah. yeah, my like between the social media that I do for the theater and then some of the parents, that's actually one of the bigger ones. Some of the parents that have been involved in the theater needing help with their small businesses and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of trickled down to help me out. And yeah. yeah. We're, uh, I went from doubting to like, we get to like, we actually get to take like a real family trip this summer, like, and yeah. I can pay for it and it's not going on a credit card. I can like, yeah, pay for it, you know, You're like, not gonna stress about it. Yeah. No stress. Like I already prepaid for it all. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. I never thought two years ago that this would have been what anything I could do. I right, thought yeah. I for sure kept doubting and thinking I was going to have to cave and take a corporate job again. And there's no way I'm going back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think you are a really good example, though, because you do this, the nonprofit stuff, and then you have your own kind of um, business as well with social media. Oh, yeah. um, and so you're a good example, too, where it's like, I think so many of us get stuck in this idea that, you know, again, we are programmed from an early age that you have to pick from this very short list of career options and do that one thing for the next 30 years of your life. And I think you're the perfect example of like, you don't have to just have one passion or purpose. You can do multiple things, do something that you're really skilled at. And also on the side, be able to do something that you're really passionate about. And, you know, you're the perfect example of when you just go out there and you do what fills you with passion and joy and you make an impact on others the money just kind of comes naturally. And I think with your story yeah, about like, the sponsorships, that's a Yeah, anyone who like is thinking they're going to start a nonprofit and like actually probably make money off of that, they're wrong. They're not going to probably do yeah. that. You definitely need to find something that like in your skill set that you can do. Right. But like, it doesn't have to be big. Like you don't have to do anything big. There's a point in time that I didn't say to you either, but like I catered for a tiny bit of time because I like had restaurant equipment. And so I did like a little catering pop-up here and there Uh to try to help feed, you know, moments in my life that I needed to be able to pay the bills. But like, 
I was able to make stuff, you know, like if people needed sandwich trays made or something for this event, then yeah, there was a couple hundred bucks here and there. So like there's yeah. many like side hustles and skills that you have. And if you can just look at those and say, Hey, I'm good at these things. How can I make money off of them? Mm-hmm. There's so many yeah. opportunities to do so. And I think, you know, one of the things I always say to people too, when they're thinking about like wanting that reset moment and they're hitting that brick wall of burnout is you don't have to quit your job, right? You can Uh continue to pursue these passions um, or side hustles with a full-time job with kind of, you know, if your ultimate goal is to be able to do that full-time, you have to start somewhere, right? And, um, you know, I think Stephanie, you're such a perfect example of like, one of the first things you've got to do if you're going to make that shift for yourself And if you're going to create your own desired reality is it all starts with being able to break through some of those fears and those limiting beliefs. Right. Right. For Uh, sure. It's just like silencing that doubt in your head Yeah, and like, you know, showing it evidence that's different. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's my girlfriend says that a lot, just bringing evidence to make sure to, to doubt, like to your doubts and knowing that it's like, it's different. So exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not phrasing it as good as she does. She's excellent at phrasing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. Um, At least we'll hear that. And she'll be like, that's not what I say. (laughs) The the last thing I want you to talk about here, because I think it's such a powerful message is um, just like you, there are other single moms out there that are in that same mindset of I've, got to be able to do the things that are going to provide my family with a sense of security and safety. Right. Right. And so often, not just single moms, but everybody, we get stuck in this place of safety and comfort over being able to risk the potential for even more abundance and happiness for that safety and comfort. So knowing that you've been through that journey and you've come out on the other side and you are now you know, receiving more abundance than you probably could have ever imagined when you first got going with this, like, what would be your like, you know, 30 second one piece of advice to other moms out there that are kind of stuck in that space of feeling like they have to stick to the status quo as opposed to really being able to get out there and pursue their passions? I think honestly, and this is going to sound like very minimalistic, it's going to be like, at first, I had to learn that we can all live with a little less. So like we, we, I didn't have to go, you know, we didn't have to have the biggest house on the block in the beginning. We didn't have to, I didn't have to, like my kids didn't have to wear designer clothes. They didn't have to have all these things initially. Yeah. And I, we lived with a little less at first and that was fine because I got to be present in my kid's life. So, um, even though we physically might've had a little Mm -hmm. less in the beginning, we ended up having more, they got to have more of me instead. So, um, yeah, I think that was like a big step when it came to that. I didn't need to have, we didn't need to have the biggest, baddest Christmases. I didn't need to keep up and be this Pinterest mom that had, you know, spent all this money on crafting stuff and do all these things. Like I just got to be like, we had a little less at first and we, but my kids got to have me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, I am absolutely obsessed with your story. Um, and I wish I lived in Missouri so that we could be besties in person, (laughs) but you live in San Diego. I can just go out there. Yeah. There you go. Anytime. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story. And I want to make sure that again, we put it out there for everybody that wants to learn more about your nonprofit, um, as well as your social media uh, business as well. So um, please share with the audience your websites and where they can find out more. Okay. So my theater and nonprofit, if anyone's like wanting to donate um, or learning more about us, if you're in Missouri and you have some kids that want to do some theater or some art, we are the studio Um, And like, if you look us up on Facebook or Instagram, we're called the creator studio. Um, if you want, if you're a small business owner that needs some social media or some blog work or anything of that nature, um, feel free to hit me up at socialstudios.com. It's social studios with a Z at the end.com. And, um, yeah, I'd be happy to help you. So. Awesome. We'll make sure we'll post those with the podcast episode as well. Um, but Stephanie, thank you again so much for sharing your amazing story with us here today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you all. And everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Keep your ears tuned for the next episode of The Millennial Reset. You can go to the website, www.themillennialreset.com to make sure that you subscribe either on the website or on your favorite streaming network for podcasts. Thank you all so much. And we'll see you next time on The Millennial Reset. Hey, Millennial Besties. If you're one of the millions of millennials experiencing burnout right now, yes, we're officially being dubbed the burnout generation, then it's important to know that number one, you're not alone. And number two, there are solutions out there. After years of struggling with burnout myself, I discovered two very unconventional secrets that created a huge shift for me. That was human design and neuro-linguistic programming. Human design allows you to get back in touch with your genetic blueprint and rediscover your most authentic identity. And neuro-linguistic programming gives you the tools to reprogram any limiting and sabotaging beliefs that may be holding you back from living out your true potential and identity. This unique combination and framework of human design and mindset work is what has allowed me and so many others to hit reset and start creating a life of less resistance and more ease and joy. So if you're wondering what you can do to get unstuck from the constant stress and anxiety of burnout mode, be sure to visit www.themillennialreset.com and start creating your plan to start living a life that happens for you instead of to you.